I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm enjoying a relaxing weekend. Good. Yeah, I, uh, kind of not working this weekend I'm, well, I might work a little bit today which is just crazy busy time I'm exhausted and um, Super Bowl's tonight so I'm, I do plan on sitting in front of the TV and watching that um, not really fans of who's playing but it's okay I'll be um, honest I probably won't watch the Super Bowl it'll be yeah. on but it'll be muted because we're going to be talking and hanging out and the baby's going to be here and, yeah and then we'll just like turn the commercials up <laughs> Yep, exactly. So that's kind of where I'm at with the game tonight. I'm, I want to see the halftime show. Um, I'm Hopefully it'll be exciting and, um, like, I don't know, kind of bring some energy. But, yeah, I, yeah. I'm excited so, to hang out with the kids. My, my oldest sure. daughter's coming over with the baby, and my youngest is here, of course. And yeah. so, How is the baby? She's Amelia. amazing. Listen, she's only, she'll be eight weeks old on Thursday, and she's already advanced. I can already tell you that she's, like, perfect. She's super intelligent. She's doing things no other kid in this entire world at her age can do. She's just, <laughs> you know, she's perfect. <laughs> you have your you you have your grandma glasses on. I sure do. It's, you know, that's, it's the most um, rewarding love I have ever experienced in my life. And the reason that I say that is parent love is different. We, we, we consider our parents as these, I don't know, superheroes that are supposed to know it all. And then we end up disappointed in them. And really, it's all set up from the beginning, I think. Um, and then there's spousal or significant other love and boyfriend love. And that's, you know, full of heartache and ups and downs. And then when you love your kids, like you love them so unconditional. I love them so unconditionally. And there's so much responsibility that goes with raising a child, right? I'm raising an adult, so I got a forethought and plan. And at least for me, there was a lot of responsibility that went with raising a child. With my granddaughter, there's like my only responsibility is to love her unconditionally forever. That's it. It is the purest, most relaxed love I have ever felt in my entire life. That sounds amazing. It really, like, it, that's the only way I can describe it is that I love her as much as I love my children, my own, mm -hmm. that I birthed myself. And I do not have the responsibility, so it is a f much more free love. Right. Like, the, I already know there's nothing. She will never disappoint me. I will never, ever, ever be disappointed in that child, no matter what she does. Doesn't matter. She's yeah. perfect, literally perfect. Hmm. That's, Crazy. That's cute. 
Um, so is she doing any tricks yet? She's, <laughs> I know she's she smiling. She smiles and she laughs. Her little laugh is adorable. And every Aww. time she yawns, she makes this little squeak. It's so cute. <laughs> Uh, I miss, like, I miss a baby. I miss a baby. They're so, I just love babies. I love, I love, love, love. And they come over twice a week. Every week they come over. So I get lots and lots of time with her. And my daughter and her boyfriend are amazing parents. Um, He works his butt off. Yes. Okay. So they're, they're sitting in there. They're finally sitting in the parenthood. Because I know the beginning was a little like, they were good. It wasn't they were bad or anything like that. It was just navigating and so they're kind of getting into their groove now. Oh, yeah. They've definitely got a pretty good groove going. Um, they're such good parents. I'm, I'm very proud of both of them. Good. Good. Um, all right. So um, we, we're talking, we just kind of were talking about um, a topic for today. And you suggested emotional sobriety. Yeah. So... You know, we all know I get on these kicks where I focus on this thing this week and that thing this week. And one of the things that I've been focused on lately is this term. It is called emotional sobriety. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the podcast before. Yeah, I'm sure it's been mentioned. So consider sobriety in general from drugs or from alcohol, right? That means that it does not impact our life. It does not have any impact on our life we could see it we could take it we could leave it it's it's not an addiction it's not it just doesn't have any impact right so I'm gonna uh, let's give a quick definition Um, and this is where is this from I'm just gonna take this one from psychology today Uh, what is emotional sobriety Um, and it's just I'm gonna read what is emotional sobriety? Some people may think it means being happy, joyous, and free. A common uh, adage of 12-step meetings taken from AA literature. Of course, people like this definition. It means they work a good program. They will achieve physical sobriety, abstinence, and become happy in the process. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this definition puts a lot of recovery people in a tough spot. For example, what does it say about a person's emotional sobriety if they're having a hard time? What if they're afraid, anxious, sad, con- angry, confused? Um, this can go on and on. Does this mean they are not, aren't emotionally sober? So um, what this author, person says, I believe the emotional sobriety is less about the quality of feeling good or bad and more about the general ability to feel one's feelings. Okay, I, I like that. Um, let me see. I'm trying to see if I have... Okay, so... The person that I follow um, mm-hmm. that really describes this, his name is uh, Alan, Dr. Alan Berger. He is a PhD. Oh, okay. um, and he started with Bill W's AA. Um, and I know Bill W um, talks a lot about uh, emotional sobriety in his in, in the in the big book, the AA big book, as well as in the 12 and 12. Um, what this says is, um, so it's not the concept of I'm just going to read this little oh, okay. paragraph here. Um, the concept of emotional sobriety is not easy to grasp. Let's start with an example. I want you to meet John. He has been clean and sober for 10 years. In the past year, he has been struggling with bouts of anxiety. 
For a long time, he believed he was suffering from an undiagnosed medical condition that was causing his anxiety. First, he thought he was having a heart attack um, because of irregular heartbeats. And after exam and stress test, his heart was healthy. Then he thought it was a tumor. Um, Lots of other things going on, lots of other symptoms. After some time, he decided to seek therapy uh, because working the steps wasn't giving him enough relief. Um, Working the steps, being sober and trying to do this. Um, What he came to find in his therapy was that he was very rigid. He had many expectations about how things were supposed to be. And when those expectations didn't get met, he didn't know what to do. He became lost, upset. His emotional balance was thrown off. Um, But as we explored, he began to see how his need to control everything and everyone was a precursor to the anxiety attacks. Once he started to learn how to live in the here and now, the anxiety went away. So he was sober from alcohol, but he didn't have emotional sobriety, right? Most of us think of sobriety as being free of alcohol and other drugs. Emotional sobriety, it's not about being free of emotions. That's impossible. You'll always have your emotions. It's more about freeing ourselves. What does it say here? Freeing ourselves from the bondage to our emotional state. Emotional sobriety is a state in which we experience our emotions and we respect them, but we respond to them the way we would respond to other kinds of information. I like that. Emotional sobriety is a state in which we experience our emotions and we respect them, but we respond to them the same as we would any other kind of information, not as fact. Okay, so basically what you're saying is very simplified. Individuals, emotional, excuse me, I'm stumbling over my words here. To be emotionally sober, you have to sit with your feelings, you have to process them, and then you have to let them go. Yeah, and letting them go is, right, that's a... We've been using that term for so long, and I don't necessarily know if I think letting go is the right word anymore. We're moving through them, right? Okay. Once we sit that we sit in it, we feel it, we think about it, and then we are over it. We've moved through it. It's, it's, it's over. If we're letting go of it, there's still something to hold on to. But if we've gone through it, there's nothing left to hold on to, so it's just gone. But... One of the things we've learned in recovery is just because I work through something once doesn't mean it doesn't come up again. Correct. Then we work through it again and we move through it again and we go through it again. Right. So when I hear let them go, it's more like, okay, I've processed this. I'm going to let it go for now. And when it comes up again, I'll address it again. Right. And in that statement, it feels like, at least to me in this moment, what I'm, what I'm, where my head is right now, it feels like it's still there. I haven't worked through it. Okay. So I'm just going to let it go, but it's still there. Whereas with emotional sobriety, it's not still there. 
So are you saying that, so when you look at emotional sobriety, or you're talking, you think about more emotional sobriety, are you looking at, and I'm going to put quotes around this, perfection? Right? Not at I've, all. Not at all. That's not to say it will never come back, right? Oh, I, I worked through my sadness. I will never be sad again. No, 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 not at all. Even I've worked through, like, right? I've worked through my issues with my mother. I've worked through my feelings and my emotions about my relationship in the past with my mother. There's nothing to let go of. I'm not holding on to anything. There's nothing to let go of. Those feelings are gone. That issue is gone. It's worked through. That doesn't mean it's not going to show up again. There won't be another issue that reminds me of that one that I then tie them together and now I got to work through the whole process again. However, right now, I have worked through what I have with my mother. It is gone. It doesn't exist. Okay. And then taking the the emotional sobriety I feel like to the ne next level like it's okay I think the part of the process is being it's okay that this is as far as I've worked through but I'm open and willing to when it arises again to work through it oh absolutely to me that's emotional sobriety right it's like there's a level of maturity with it where it's like it's not gone right I'm always gonna there's always gonna be something that's gonna triggers something and it could be the smallest of the smallest triggers right that's not to say yes it, it it's there's never there will always be things that we need to work through life will never be quote unquote perfect I mean personally my opinion is life is perfect even with its right. flaws it's exactly like it's supposed yep. to be I take out that supposed because there's another thing I was hearing today um, it, 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 emotional sobriety in my opinion and the way that I view it is I feel what I feel when I feel it and that's it it is what it is that's all that it is it is no more just because I get angry does not mean I'm an angry person just because I got angry at Jojo does not mean Jojo is bad just because I got angry at Jojo does not mean I am bad. It, it, it simply means I got angry. I work through that anger. I'm done with that anger. I'm no longer angry. That doesn't mean I'll never get angry at Jojo again. That just means that I'm not angry now. I, I'm no longer angry. There's nothing to be angry about. That anger is done. It's gone. So are you talking about like okay i have a i have an argument with my um significant other and we have this big fight and we go to just we both storm away and then something happens and we come back together and everything's fine because we're dealing with this new thing is that emotional sobriety not at all i mean yes and no <laughs> so yes that is emotional sobriety because i am able to set aside the emotions from earlier and deal with this thing and it doesn't end there because this thing that whatever happened earlier ha it, it can't be just shoved down right you can't just sweep it under a rug we have to work through it we have to sort it out you have to move through it 
just because I'm not angry doesn't mean it ends there. We still have to resolve it. Otherwise, it's going to come back up. So how do you get to that place of emotional sobriety? Like, what do you, what are some of the things that steps that we would need to take to get there? Steps one through 12. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, in my opinion, that is, it's kind of crazy that you asked that, right? Because in my head earlier, I was comparing Bill W to God. In his own right, he has created a following that have given people a new life. It has given people spirituality. It has given people hope. It has given people the way to live, a way to live that works for them to create this amazing thing that I have found and that you have found, right? I, I, I get it, what you're saying. But what I hear when you say that is cult. He did not, yes, he started this program, but he did not build this program. You and I and all of the other addicts in this world built this program. Correct. However, We're without not a, his insights, this program wouldn't exist. 100% I don't agree with think that. that God is responsible for my higher power, my God, is not responsible for making this world what it is the people who are here are responsible for making this world what it is right but without god it wouldn't be here it wouldn't be what it is he right he came with the ideas what i and the, the reason i said as what i heard when you were saying it was you think about um some uh someone that has a cult right that they are the governing everything is a it is based on them and that's kind of what i heard because like because of him and yes his ideas started this program yes and the 12 step program has been compared to a cult right on I more mean, than I, one occasion yeah um and it's not right because a <laughs> i know it can seem that way from the outside <laughs> We don't force anyone to believe anything. Mm -mm. And within the 12-step program, many people believe differently. Yeah. So, Which I I think that's what's one of the beauties of the program is that is allowing everybody to have their own personal beliefs. That's emotional sobriety. Yeah. And they come and then come together and it allows us to learn from each other if we're open to it. And that is not a cult because a cult, you have to believe a certain way. Right. You have to believe what they believe and follow their guide. I really like how you just said that because for me, that's emotional sobriety. I can come together with a bunch of people and we can all have differing feelings, thoughts, and opinions, and we can share those thoughts, feelings, and opinions and we don't get negative with each other. We don't attack each other. None of us feel insecure or unsafe. In fact, we all have the exact opposite feelings of security, feelings of connection, feelings of intimacy, feelings of love and family. And yet we are all sharing different thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and sometimes conflicting thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you, and I am asking for like... 100% honesty, which I know you'll give me. Have you ever sat in a meeting? Right? I love the diversity that we get. However, I'll be sitting in a meeting and 
someone will share and there's this yucky feeling I get. Absolutely, of course. That, go ahead. I was going to say that's teaching me how to be emotionally sober. Exactly. That yucky feeling is my perception of that person. I don't have, of what that person is saying, not of that person, but I don't have any knowledge of that person's life. I don't have any knowledge of what that person does day to day, minute to minute. I simply have that less than five minute share once a week. And because of that, I think I know what's happening in these people's lives or my opinion or my judgment or my feeling or whatever, however we want to say it, right? We have our thought, feeling, or opinion on what they are saying, but it's, it's ours. It has absolutely nothing to do with them. Right. And I think that's something I've heard people, you know, whether through sponsor sponsees and all of that you know people like oh the share and it was just you know and it's like that's you got to look at you because that's what that is there's something in you that that is triggering just like when I talk to my mother there's something you know and she triggers me right there's something that she did I and maybe I don't know it in the moment exactly what it was she said or did or tone or right because it could be a tone like it could be an old tone that I've listened to my entire life that just makes my, literally my back and skin crawl. And it's not about her. It's about me. It's about those, that mental, like the, the mental place, the emotional place that I am and what I, and what I receive from the other person through what they're saying or their infliction or whatever it is. And, and go ahead. I was just gonna. I I think that the recovery, the emotional sobriety, the the good that we're talking about is the ability to separate, like what you're doing right now, to be able to say it is not. She's not making me mad. I have something inside of me that is triggered that I need to find that trigger and I need to remove the trigger. Not she did something to piss me off. She needs to stop. And I might not like, let's say this time, like my mom did something. We'll use my mom because she, she, you know, so she, something, she did something, said something, tone something right again not her just something happened that and and I felt the trigger and I I try to identify it and I I kind of figure it out and okay but then you know I talk to her next week and it happens again and I you know like there it there could be this evolution of of understanding what that trigger what caused that trigger what was that trigger I don't have to solve it today I have to look at it today but I don't have to solve it. I don't even think I necessarily have to look at it today. Once I've identified no. it, if I need a week or a month or six months, I can look at it or solve it when I'm ready. That is a very good point. Very good point. All right. So we've got the 12 steps to help with becoming emotional, emotionally sober. Um, 
I think one of the things which is encompassed in the 12 step is is right just don't run from your your feelings stop running from your feelings feel your feelings know that all your feelings are okay and acceptable because they're yours right i don't have to i don't have to explain to you why i feel a certain way my feelings are mine right um so i think that would be one of that is encompassed in the 12 steps definitely Uh, that and and like feel like not just feel my feelings but work through my feelings what did we say the other day interrogate my feelings interrogate my thoughts yep know why I feel this way what I am hoping to change what I need to do differently if I don't want to feel this way and that's not to say It's not to say that other people don't have responsibility, right? If my, if if somebody is screaming and yelling at me and sticking their finger in my face and spitting when they talk, there's a good chance I'm going to get angry. It's not to say, right, my anger is my responsibility. My anger is on me. And that is not to say that the other person was okay. The other person was good. The other person should have done what they were doing. Part of emotional sobriety is acknowledging my feelings are mine and it is my responsibility to work through my feelings and it is my responsibility to work through my triggers. And somebody screaming in my face and pointing their finger in my face and spitting when they talk and being so close that their spit's getting on me and berating me, that is unacceptable. I have exposed myself to that behavior. What can I do to not expose myself to that anymore? And the answer isn't always cutting someone out. The world is not black right. or white. Right. right? My, I am not saying because somebody screams and yells at you, you should cut them off forever. But you might have to cut them off for a week, a day, that moment. Just like, I, I'm sorry, I need to go and just walk step away I wouldn't even say I'm sorry personally because I'm not sorry right (laughs) right Right. you're screaming and yelling in my face I'm just going to turn around and walk away yeah exactly and that's not to say me personally right in this moment if somebody's screaming and yelling and cursing and pointing their finger in my face I hope that I am emotionally sober enough to literally just turn and walk away I don't think I am but I would like to be I don't know. I think at this point in my in my recovery, I don't know if I'd have any other option. Like, I don't know if I'd have any other. I don't think there would be anything that would pop in my head to stay in. Like, I would just probably look at the person and then turn around. I like that, that's what my body is feeling even right now as I'm talking about it. Like, I'm like, like what the fuck? Like, that's in my head. I wouldn't say that. I'd be like, what the I would fuck? probably, and say I'd be that. like, turn around and out. <laughs> See, I would probably be like, yes, that's because what the fuck is very clear in my, and I'm that loud mouth that would, I would probably look at him with a stink face and be like, yep. what the fuck? And like, just I wouldn't have to say away. anything. My face would just show it all. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I, right. I think it's, it is, that's a completely acceptable thing, but um, the other thing I was going to say is how, when we, or I was going to ask what looking at our emotions so let's say I'm angry today like I I don't know because have you ever had where you woke up 
Yes. And just, <laughs> right, and just like woke up angry or something through the day. Like I just want to stay at home in my bed away from people because I'm in a nasty mood and I want to snap somebody's face off. Right. And I, and I want to be pissed off. Like I just want to be like, I just, I'm just mad. Right. And I don't have a clue why. Is that okay? Yep. Right. Isn't it okay to say, hmm, I'm angry. My body feels angry today. I, I think it's don't... I think it's healthy. Me too. I had a day a couple of weeks ago where I was in that kind of mood and I'm a supervisor at work. I have six people on my team and I actually went to them and talked to them and a couple of them were like, "Hey, are you all right?" And I was like, "You know, I'm just in a really bitchy ass mood today and I don't understand why." So I'm just going to keep my distance, guys. I'm not avoiding you. I just don't want to snap at you. And I, I'm just in a really bad mood today. And I actually told them that. And every single one of them respected it. Right. And nobody had anything negative to say about it. Right. Because when we're authentic with our own feelings, people aren't going to say, what are they going to do? No, Ashley, that is not okay. You you can't do that. Nobody's right. going to say that. Nobody is going to say that. Sorry, you're not allowed to be bitchy yeah. today. Yeah, so I'm, so I think that's, we get afraid to, we get, we worry about what others are going to think when we are honest with our emotions, but most people are going to be supportive of our our feelings and understanding of our feelings because guess what? We all have feelings. We all have rough days. We all have days where I'm feeling a little bitchy. But there's also days that I am just happy and I don't care who you are and I'm going to smile and I'm going to chit chat with you and I'm just going to be walking and just with a big smile on my face and I'm going to walk lighter and I'm going to, those, that's going to happen too. Do you know I had two days last week? I think it was Wednesday and Thursday. I don't know what it was. I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday and Thursday and it's really weird because of personal situations that were happening. But at work, both Wednesday and Thursday, more than one person, both days, they were like, what are you so happy about? Why are you smiling like that? And I was like, oh no, I'm just happy. And it really was. It was those Wednesday and Thursday. I There was some personal stuff going on that normally I wouldn't have been able to be in a happy mood. But I was just genuinely and authentically floating on air. And everyone was, ev- not everyone, a lot of people were like, dang, you just look really happy. What, who are you talking to? Something happened? No, I'm just happy. I don't Shit. hear you. <laughs> I was, sorry, I was on mute. I, so you, I find it interesting that you said when you were happy and, there, and people go to, oh, did you meet someone? Oh, why yeah. can't why can't I just be fucking happy? No, why can't I, Dawn be happy in just Dawn? That's such a good because you can obviously, and we do, obviously. and I am learning how. And of course, that's what it was Wednesday and Thursday. I was just I was just happy in my own skin. Nothing had happened. There wasn't any person that caused it or didn't cause it. I was just happy in my own skin. Um, and I, I agree. I think it sucks that people have to be like, what made you so happy? 
But I think that that's what society is so used to, is somebody mm -hmm. else makes us feel what we feel. Yeah. So maybe challenge ourselves to not say, what happened to you? Why are you so happy? Maybe they're just happy. Maybe we don't ask that question, right? Because we can change society, right? Little steps do change it, right? I mean, come on, look at the millennials made the world different. Now Gen Z is making the world different. It can change. But I just because I'm Gen X, I can still change the world oh, right absolutely so, so maybe i just don't ask that question happy looks good on you i actually why, why can't you say ready. that i was just getting ready to say i actually don't ask i used to ask all the time why are you so happy look at you over there smiling and now one of the things that i say a lot is that smile looks really good on you exactly or that hey that happiness makes your eyes look cute Yep. I, I have said that the other day, one of the guys at work was walking by and I was like, dang, you look like you're awful happy today. Look at you walking on air. It's not a why. It's just a notice that smile. And I think that makes people and, even happier. Right. I was going to say, and I bet his smile got a little bit bigger. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things we've talked about the 12 steps and impacting emotional sobriety, but I do want to say this, right? 12 steps are not the only thing that might be needed to find emotional sobriety. I do think there is something for to be said for seeking professional help. Yeah, I mean, I have been looking into... <laughs> It's not just the 12 steps. So not only is it the 12 steps, but like mental health and then like therapists and psychologists and um, cognitive behavioral therapy and there's all kinds of different things. Most recently, I've been looking into this uh, channeling thing where they channel extraterrestrials supposedly and I've been listening to just the things that they say. And it's the... It is the exact same thing as the 12-step program, but it is said in such a different way that it brings these different points of views. So personally, while I am a 12-stepper all the way, I am 100% into 12-step programs and the 12 steps, they cannot be my only source. I also use mental health um, therapists, psychologists. I also use my spiritual beliefs in um, like the law of one or Catholicism or whatever my spiritual belief can be. I use that also right. as a guide to emotional sobriety. Um, as well as, you know, I scroll through TikTok and all these crazy videos that I come up with, like the channeling of Bashar <laughs> is... is it's all ways that you can get information. And I don't think we should take any one bit of information as fact. I think we should take in all of that information and then go with our gut on which one feels like it'll work best for us. Just because you pick one and it might, and it might not do what you wanted it to do, then you just go move to, on to something else, 
right? I, I think that's, it's like that whole thing of having as many tools in your toolbox that you can have to be able to fix, quote, air quote, fix what's going on, right? I might pull out my hammer, but oh wait, I don't need, a, I can't use the hammer because I'm, I need, actually need my rubber mallet. Right. And, and that's, that's exactly what I mean. It is not, I take all of these, right? I grew up in Catholic school. My mother was in the mental health industry for a very, very long time. I have been to therapists and psychologists, uh, the YouTube stuff on the channeling, um, Buddhism, which I studied. I, I take all of that. And what in this situation out of all of those tools works the best? fits the best what tool fits this piece of hardware the best I don't care if it's metric or if it's European or if it's United or whatever it is I don't care all these different tools all of these different situations pick and choose which one from which situation from which part fits in this situation and it can be a different one in five minutes and it can be a different yeah. one in ten minutes I don't believe that there is one correct answer. So real real quick, let's talk about how do we, you know, we've talked about identifying your feelings, feeling your feelings, and that's part of emotional sobriety. How do I know what I'm feeling in the moment? What are ways to be able to identify that? Well, of course, we have to have practice right without practice you will never be able to and then you have to have the knowledge right what is this feeling what is the name of this feeling where does this feeling usually come from so like a feelings wheel um google google is a great especially when you're talking about emotions um journaling is a great tool to understand what i'm feeling and why i'm feeling it so when you're talking about journaling are you saying that is there certain things how is there what should you journal? Because what I'm thinking, when I think about journaling, right, it's today I was feeling angry. You know, we were talking about today I'm feeling angry. And right, I need to figure out, I do need to understand, did what did something happen that made me feel angry? So I think there's something for like, okay, today I'm feeling, I'm feeling angry right now, but I don't know why. So let me jot down, I'm feeling angry and what I was doing. My personal opinion on journaling is there is no set um, uh, setup. Like there's nothing. Like, right. Like there's no set way. Some days I have absolute. Some days I'm like, I don't want to journal. I don't know what to say. I don't even have anything to say. All right. Well, set my phone timer for 10 minutes and sit down with pen and paper in my hand. And if I write nothing in those 10 minutes, then I'm done. Right. It might be bullet points. It might be, I try to, if I have a feeling in a moment or something, I, like, if you look at my little notebook I have, there's little, like, one-liners on so many different pages because I'm like, oh, I felt this. Oh, I felt this. Oh, I felt that. And I think that's just writing it down and being able to look back at patterns helps with identifying what's you know, what is the true underlying issue? Because if you can't correlate this, so let's say every time I go to my mother's, 
my back hurts. But every, I, it, and I don't, I don't feel stress and I don't feel this, but every time I go to my mom's, my back hurts. I mean, that's an important thing to notice. Right? My, my personal way I do journaling and that I definitely consider that journaling, right? What you're describing yeah. is certainly journaling. Right, write it pen to paper is journaling. Yeah, doesn't matter what it looks. Well, hell, writing anything is journaling. You can put it on a keyboard. I know some people that just like to type. I mean, I'm actually more of a typer than I am a writer, anyway. So, putting it in paper, like typing it out, that's journaling. It doesn't have to be pen to paper. I personally try to do ten minutes a day, every day. Whether it's ten minutes in the morning, usually it ends up being ten minutes in the evening, around nine to nine thirty at night after a meeting or at the very end of the day just real quick jot down what I'm thinking what I'm feeling and if I don't know what to jot down then I just write whatever pops into my head about the day right and when I go back years months weeks later and I read them I'm like oh that's why I felt that way that day yeah it just seems to give me a space to tie it together and it helps me work through whatever feelings I have that I either am conscious of or not conscious of. I think too, so when you're talking about the uh, feelings wheel, right, there, the feeling wheel, there's multiple layers to it. But the center core, I think there's six true emotions, feelings, in, and that's like that's the kind of the, the core, and then you work your way out to right. – to, to really actually hone in on what is the ultimate feeling. But I think it's very important to also know your body, right? I think that's one of the, the most important things. If I carry, and we've talked about like how when I feel my little codependent spiral, it's in my middle of my back and it just like I can feel and it's just like crawling its way up and right, I, that's taken a lot of practice. That's taken a lot of sitting with myself, right? It's documenting, journaling those times when I have a headache, right? Like I have a headache out of the blue. Okay, why do I have it? What was I doing? Again, knowing my body, sitting in silence, listening. I think that's what, you know, right? Meditation. Meditation isn't about, um, right? Meditation is listening. And that means it, it allows for your, your higher power to communicate to you. It allows your body to communicate to you. It allows your mind to communicate to you. It allows your heart to communicate to you. All of your, your gut to communicate to you. By sitting in silence and meditating. I, and I think that's really important. I have always heard people say prayer is when you talk to the universe or your higher power or God and meditation is where you mm -hmm. listen. Yep. Um, and I'm, I wanted to touch too, you had mentioned the feelings wheel. Like the one I'm looking at, so you can get different ones. The, this specific one I'm looking at is kind of crazy. It starts with just eight basic. Um, surprised bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, or happy. But then it goes into, of those eight, there is eight in each one. So at the out, on the very, very outside of the wheel, those eight basic feelings are 64 different options of feelings. So like, I might think I'm angry, but maybe I'm not really angry, I'm actually withdrawn. Right. 
it's 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 it is so important and before having had a feelings wheel it i i thought it like basic happy sad bad right oh i'm happy oh i'm mad oh i'm sad but maybe i'm not happy maybe i'm actually feeling successful but that's a different feeling than happy but i never had different feelings i just had happy right I think it's important to really work those feelings and really interrogate, question, understand what those thoughts and feelings are. And I think that's what journaling is. It's I'm interrogating myself and journaling is the answers, right? When I'm writing down, I'm actually answering my interrogation of myself and of my feelings. Yeah, that's definitely sometimes I do. Yeah, sometimes I just yeah. write the feelings, but sometimes right. it is definitely an interrogation of the feelings for sure. Yeah. So we've got meditation, which right is just is in a nutshell listening and prayer being and prayer. Yep. Being silent um, and having a having a conversation with um, with the power greater than yourself, whatever that is. And you and I both have had big different spectrums of what that means um so we're not saying god we're saying something bigger than you i still don't know what that means (laughs) (laughs) as i keep getting new knowledge it keeps changing yes yep me too like and today might be different than tomorrow and one of the things i've been working you know i've been working so much and i have been inside a lot and I'm finding myself uh, getting slipping into a little bit of like the depression and it happens it always happens to me at this time of year um, because you know I'm working 13 hour days 14 hour days I might get the dog out once myself you know otherwise Colin has to take him out Um, and if I do get outside I'm running to physical therapy or I'm running him or so there's just no like moment no downtime right and so I slip into a little bit of a depression usually at this time of year um but it, it I'm I'm once we slow down and I actually can get outside a little bit more I you know I can find it so yesterday well, I actually did it Friday and yesterday um I took the dog to the dog park and we have a bench in the dog park and the dog just will walk around and he loves that but I just laid down on the bench closed my eyes nice. kind of kind of put my head hands above, above my head and put my feet up on the, the the seat and I just laid there and all I did was just listen to the birds feel the breeze look at the clouds witnessing them move right I just needed to connect with nature decompress yes So I could give you the actual scientific reasons behind why that releases you so much. Um, Okay. In the wood, I'm assuming it was a wooden bench. No, it's metal. Okay, well, that kind of takes it away. But metal is still a a conductor, right? Metal still conducts electrons and neutrons, protons and neutrons. And what's happening is... There are protons and neutrons in your body, electrical particles that make up your body. And there are electrical particles outside that make up the outside, the air, the ground, those benches, the wood chips, the trees. It's all made up of its own electrical particles. And when our particles, 
combine with those particles, they create different positive and negative particles in our body. So if you're outside in a thunderstorm, you're going to get different positive and negative protons, neutrons, particles in your body than you are if you're outside in the sunshine. Or if you're in the mountains, you get different. And it's not that the electricity is different. It's not that the electrons are different. It's that there's a different level of positive versus negative. The makeup is different. Right. And so it balances your body out in a different way, depending on which protons or neutrons your body is lacking or has too many of. Okay. There's actual science behind it, and it's spiritual at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So it allowed me to come, kind of center myself back in. And then last night, um, Friday night, I was supposed to go celebrate a friend's 40th birthday, and I had to work late, so I had to cancel that. But last night, we all got together. Yesterday was um, the Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year. Yeah, the new moon. The new moon, yes. So we're in the year of the dragon. And the moon um, is in Aquarius. Yes. So um, got together with a bunch of friends and did a cookout to celebrate. And that, I I actually called my mom on the way to my friend's house. And so I had told you I had been in the emergency room and was really, really sick last week. Right. And then which threw me behind with work. So that added this, no, you know, of course, nobody picked up my work, right? Because I was coming back. So they, you know, just, okay, leave it there. She'll grab it when she gets back. And um, so I did. So which, but it meant I had to make up really three days of work time. Um, so I was, like I said, all week it was, I was on till nine o'clock. I mean, even on the meeting Thursday night, yep. like I was work, I was working. Um, I worked till midnight that night, actually. Holy moly! Um, so last night on my way, I got yesterday. We like I said, we were just going to her a friend's house, so I didn't get dressed up, but I threw on leggings. I threw on a little cute tank top and threw on my jean jacket and um. Just did my hair, put on just mascara. No, you know, nothing major. No, I didn't go all out because we weren't going out out. And I called my mom because I was driving and I had the radio on and I felt so rejuvenated. Because I was excited about going and being with positive, healthy people. Yeah. Right. That energy that was swirling and, you know, and working because I was it was like wrapping. It's like wrapping around me and making me happy because I'm going I'm going to I'm going to interact with people I enjoy. I'm going to laugh all of the work, all of the other stuff is I'm going to put that to the side for a few hours and just be able to enjoy and just be done for a minute. Yes. Not Dawn the accountant, not Dawn the mom, not Dawn the person who has to clean her house, not Dawn, not Dawn <laughs> right? the sponsor or Dawn the no. meeting leader, just Dawn. Right. right, just Dawn. Laugh, joke, have a great time, 
And when I left there, I was exhausted, right? I'm still trying to, you know, I still got shit going on health-wise. I'm st- I still had to work a lot. I'm still going to work today. But for those hours, I could have been miserable and poor me. And I'm not going to say that there was a part of me that was like, oh, God, I just want to curl up on my couch and sleep. But I also know that that wouldn't have been good for me. I need to put myself around positive people because when I put myself rep- around positive people, I it it's contagious. It is contagious. I heard um, on one of the podcasts this morning that I was listening to, one of the guys said, when you share, whatever you share, anytime you share, sharing divides pain and multiplies joy. Oh, that's good. Right? So if I share my joy with someone, it multiplies. They take on that joy, that positivity passes. And if I share my pain with someone, it divides my pain. It allows some of that pain to be released. Yep. It's crazy how that works. It is. And that's kind of, right, sharing last night with a couple of people. Like, I didn't tell the big group, like, make this big announcement. I had this stuff going on, right? I had told a couple of my friends um, via text when it was all going on. And then I told one of the other people that I'm really close to, um, I told her last night. But I didn't make this grand announcement because my health is mine, I don't need to the whole world. And, I, and I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. That has not always been the case where I would be mindful of who I tell, give, tell my business to. Right. And, and I think it's I, different because you don't need them to feel sorry for you. No. But it, what it did give me is all of them were, said the same thing oh my god are you okay why didn't you call me I would I will take you you know and one the one was she was and I've got it from a couple but she's like if your parents can't take you for surgery you call me I will take you I will go I will take you I will make sure you get there we'll get you everything you need we'll get you home and so if your parents can't or something they're not feeling well right just just call me that is so sweet support Support. That is what I've, you know, I've, I've said, you know, this whole year has been, which I, I, so one year, Tuesday will be one year since I met my one friend. And my whole life has changed in this year. Because before that, I would have been like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, Colin. Did this friend he, change your life? No. No, 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 no. Oh, so I she doesn't it. get the credit for changing no. your life. No, 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 no. I changed my mentality about my life by experiencing different things in my life. I like that. I just wanted to make sure, right, because you started saying how you felt better in the last year and at the same time was this new friend. And I just wanted to, I knew that. I just wanted to put it out there. No, no. <laughs> no I appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. And so when by having these positive people, having this group of people, camaraderie, laughing, and I hate to say it this way, but it's I, I also don't know if I there's no other way to say it. Having people validate what I have doubted about myself for years 
yeah. makes me reevaluate what I've known for years or thought for years. Yeah, I could definitely see how that would work. I mean, I think mostly when we when we reevaluate ourselves, it allows us to change things. So many times we just go through life without ever evaluating at all. We just go. We just do. At least I know I did. Yeah, me too. Being able to evaluate my thoughts and my feelings and my opinions and know that evaluating them, interrogating them, and changing them is 100% okay. Actually, not even okay. It's how it's supposed, air quote, supposed to be. Um, I think knowing that has made a huge difference in my life. There's one thing I want to read. I pulled from, it's called um, Sober Recovery. Um, and so it's Emotional Sobriety 101. And there's one sentence in here that I just really kind of like. Um, that's, I'm just going to read the paragraph because it's easier. Regularly practicing mindful meditation can help you become a, a good at feeling your emotions, processing them, and then letting them go. To be mindful means to be aware of the, the present moment. Keep in mind what is going on in each moment as it arrives. As you begin to practice meditation and mindfulness, you will start to view your thoughts and emotions as separate from you. You are not your emotions, nor your thoughts. As you become aware of your separateness between you and your feelings, you become able to manage strong feelings such as anger, sadness, anxiety, shame, and fear more easily. I like that. I really, really like that. It's like as you separate yourself from your thoughts and feelings, you begin to be able to control, not control, but choose, manage, manage yeah. yes. Like, I don't, I don't believe I can control my thoughts or my feelings. Thoughts pop into my head without my right? permission all the time. Feelings pop into my body without my permission all the time. But emotional sobriety, the 12 steps, this program, my work has given me the ability to say, whoa, there's that feeling. Okay, I don't want to act on that feeling. I just feel it and I'm done with it. When I get, right, same thing, I use all of those tools, but there are times when I, my, um, an emotion gets too much for me. Yes, and we right? react and, without being able to stop it. Right, and I just, no matter how much I work through it with you or go to meetings, there's something that I'm, it's like, I, I'm trying to do it by myself, right? None of us pretend to be therapists. I am not a therapist. I would not love to get into that work. But I'm not a therapist. Maybe it gets to the point where, you know what? Ashley can't help me. My other people can't help me. So you know what? I need to call. I need to reach out to my therapist. I need to set a time to talk to my therapist and work through that in the way that maybe only my therapist and I can do. That doesn't discredit you. That doesn't discredit anybody else. But maybe there is an emotion that I need to talk to, to somebody that has nothing to do with me. And I think that's what I love about a therapist is 
having being able to say whatever I need to say and that knowing that person's going to go home for dinner and not give me a second thought. Yes. Uh, what I love about a therapist and why, I mean, I love what you just said, that without a doubt is absolutely play. One of the other things that I love about a therapist is they've been doing this for, they have experience, right? They have mm-hmm. walked this path, not only in school with a teacher, but with multiple other people. Right. I would never go to a soccer player and ask him how to teach, to teach me how to play basketball. I would go to a basketball player and ask them to teach me how to play basketball. Right. I would not go to a business coach and ask them how to help me in my personal life. I would go to a therapist. It's important to go to people who have experience in what you are trying to learn. I can't help someone with being sober from alcohol or drugs that is not that is not something that I have had to to overcome or navigate in my life so I'm not that person now that's not to say that maybe some things you would tell them to help with codependency couldn't help with alcoholism right but if they were to come to you specifically for their alcoholism you wouldn't right I wouldn't know where to start Right. And it's okay. Like being, if that would happen and it's, and I would, should say, and it's okay to say, I would love to be able to help, but I don't think I'm the best option in this because I can't fully relate. Yeah. I think you need to reach out to someone that has more experience in this situation. That does not make me less than. That does not make me I actually not... think it makes me more than. Exactly. Right? One of my biggest complaints as a dog trainer, um, I'm going to kind of take this around the block, but one of my biggest complaints as a dog trainer was that there is so many dog trainers that are like, I can't help you. You need to put your dog to sleep. Just because I can't help you does not mean there's not 10 other people in this world that can. It's important for me to be able to say, this is outside of my skill set, but there's plenty of other people in the world who have this skill set. I think it is irresponsible for me to try to give you advice and force you to do something or push you to do something that I have absolutely no knowledge on or that I don't know any further knowledge on, right? Right. And isn't that emotional sobriety as well? Yes. Knowing what I know and having the confidence and the ability to say, I don't know that. So much has been wrapped up in my life of you know the whole thing of feeling less than and not knowing something or thinking I didn't know something or knowing something and overcompensating and making sure everybody knew what I knew because of course that was me trying to feel not less than has been such a thing now if I don't know I just don't know but what I'm trying to be different in now is before it would be if I didn't know something I would cram 
find something and just so then like next time I could throw out the one maybe little fact I knew so I actually thought looked like I knew what I was talking about <clears throat> but I didn't now what I do is I accept the things that I don't know I know the things that I'm interested in and the things I'm not interested in just because I somebody knows something that I don't if that is not my interest I'm that's just not my interest that's okay I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out understand it however if something interests me that I don't know I now take the time to do to read articles watch videos right educate myself one of the things I love and I know you do too right is through recovery and I think that's that's really where I've noticed that makes the the kind of the make or break between recovery individuals is the people that are like sponges that cannot get enough of reading articles, reading books, watching like, you know, videos, you know, YouTube, those kinds of things. Those people you can want, you can see their recovery just, just skyrocket because they're just trying to take in as much as they can. I think the key with that is it's people who are willing to admit that they don't that they don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the best thing is, so I'm going to get all of the information I possibly can and then I'm going to pick and choose which bit works best for me yeah. for this situation. Yep. Sitting and scrolling through social media, avoidance, watching TV, what, right? I'm not saying anything's wrong with those things. But if that is, right, oh, I'm doing 10 minutes of work today on my recovery, but the rest of the time, forget it. I'm numbing out. Right, I'm scrolling through TikTok for two hours, but I'm going to do my step four for 10 minutes. Right. Like, those those are the things you can hear and you can notice and those are the things that hold people's recovery back right this is there I you know I've said this when I in the beginning of my recovery recovery became a full-time job I took a leave from work not everybody has that option right I got paid for it I was very fortunate see for me it, it, it recovery it became my way of life it's yeah. more than a job it's it's a way of life. It is, it is, it is comparable to a religion for me. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what, you know, it's like I said, I took the time and I took the, you know, I took six and a half weeks off, seven weeks off. It was my job in that moment. But then what I realized that I needed was like, I'm th like, this shit is like, makes sense. This shit works. This yeah. shit. And then it became, it was like, okay, this is now my way of life. This is, this Coda is my life. It will be my life for the rest of my life. And it's not just Coda, right? No. I think that's another key is is it can't be like this one thing is the end all be all. Right. Because that one thing will eventually become an old idea. Yeah. And the whole goal is that these old ideas go away and are replaced with new ideas. We peel that onion, we get further into it. And every time we stop and say, this is the end all be all, that means we're not going into another we're layer of the onion. Yeah. That's what I love about our Thursday night meeting, right? We get a lot of newcomers. Some stick, 
some don't. And we have a pretty large group. Yeah. In the in the grand, grand scheme, scheme of things. <laughs> yes. Of, of meetings, we have a very large group. It works. We've made it work. We've designed it to work. I don't feel any, I don't think anyone does not like or is not comfortable with the size. We have, I don't know how we did it, but we got it to where it needs to be. It's amazing. But, and we don't even use the timer. How crazy. I know, right? So I think, but having those newcomers come, right, is such a a, a refreshing kind of thing, right? You listen to them share the first time and it's like, oh God, I remember those days. But that is what I need to hear. That is exactly I need, what I need. Yes. I need to be reminded because almost six years into this, it's hard. I mean, I remember it because I've like, you know, my whole world has been shaped around recovery and all of this. I remember it, but I know that I could see people that don't have this being in their lives every second of the day forgetting what it was like in the beginning and that's what newcomers bring for me it's like oh yeah I remember that oh, it reminds that me of how easy it is to go right back to it it's yes like unhealthy living non living emotionally not in emotional sobriety living in emotional attachment to other people and other things is so easy to fall into that it, it like having the newcomers it keeps it forefront in my mind look how easy it is to yep. go back into that and I think that's one of the things that makes our meeting so unique too right we get the newcomers but then we have a, a, a core group of people that are really willing to put their shit on the table yeah like right we don't Vulnerable. pretend Yes, we don't pretend we got this shit on lock. We, we are navigating life just like the person that's there for the first time. And it doesn't get any and, easier. It gets more peaceful, no. but it doesn't yeah. get any easier. And finding, I think that's the thing, finding that kind of a group where you, like when I go into that group, I feel at home. Oh yeah, I can I know for a fact without a shadow of a doubt that I can say anything and everything that I need or want to say and I will still be accepted and loved. All right. Uh, that has been such a great meeting. Oh, sorry. You're good. I was totally on mute. <laughs> I, I figured. Oh, my God. I was saying, I said, you know, that's the other thing. Like, our group is like 40 people. And if someone comes on and we don't fit into their, the what what they need, right, it's okay. Like, it's okay. We're going to continue on and they get to find something that works for them. And I think that's how it's supposed to be. I, I hate the word supposed to, should. It's just another <laughs> form of should. But that's, yeah. how, that's, how, that, that's how it feels right. Like if you come into this group, if you listen to this podcast, if you join our conversation and it feels right, come on in. You're welcome. We love you. We accept you. And, and if you come in and you join it and it doesn't feel right, we still love you and accept you and you can go do your thing. We love you and accept you anyways. Right. We're not going anywhere. 
such a great podcast such such a great conversation today good topic Ashley good topic thank you so much Dawn thank you listeners I I have truly enjoyed this today yes it's definitely been needed so all right everyone thank you have a great week bye bye we would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.